Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Library of Games Log In Audio Out podcast. My name is Hugo, and I am with your co-host, Taylor. Say hi, Taylor. Hello. And today, I'm with a recurring guest, uh, Max. Say hi. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm happy to be back. Awesome. So today is a very special episode for our podcast because we are going to be talking about some about the topics of storytelling in video games. And the reason why this is special is because we're going to be using, we're going to be focusing on this topic on another event for later. If anyone who's reincurring or even watching this after this is that event in Shy Team Lit Fest, but we can get more on that later. So. Back on the topic at hand, storytelling in video games always has a powerful dynamic. It is one of the key points of why people play video games now. It was a key point in why people played video games back then to some extent. So I think I kind of want to start off with Taylor on this one because I do think you play a lot more narrative-driven games than you do with (laughs) multiplayer-centric. So I think it would be a great way to start you off with it. Yeah, uh, narrative games are near and dear to my heart. Like you said, probably the majority of games that I play uh, have strong narrative um, or are story rich. Uh, I I think I'm particularly drawn to storytelling in video games um, because it's so unique. I mean, books, movies, theater are all, you know, kind of similar in a lot of respects with the way that narrative evolves and flows. And, you know, there's a lot of differences in story structure, but story structure in a video game is so entirely different and unique. Um, I think that's often why you don't see good adaptations of video games in movies because, you know, it's not an easy kind of narrative structure to sort of port over to another medium. I think it's only been like one or two successful attempts at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it like it doesn't really work. Um, and and so much of this is really built around this idea um, that Jim G, who is this really awesome writer and uh, academic who writes about video games and media, and he came up with this theory or description of how. Uh, well, he came up with a lot of descriptions of how storytelling works in video games, but I think the thing that I'm most drawn to is something called embodied stories. So it's this idea that you are, when you're playing a game, playing as a character, playing as another person. Now, this isn't true in all narrative video games, but I think in my personal favorites, that's the case. Um, so you have to put your shoes, your you know, yourself in someone else's shoes and play as that character Um, and kind of interpret the world and figure out actions based on what that character would do. And that is incredibly powerful to me. You know, when you're reading a book, you're kind of passive. You're letting the story happen kind of around you. And in a video game, you're making choices and decisions and really living that story, hence the term embodied stories. And what's really interesting about this, it makes us make different kinds of choices uh, in games than we may make in real life or we're sometimes surprised by the p- choices we make in video games. You think, I'm not a person who would ever make a decision like this, and yet you do it 
in a video game. If you look like at something like The Walking Dead, the first season, I was so surprised at a lot of things that I did in that game. Um, and I sort of ended up questioning like, oh, geez, like, what are my morals? That's a particular game that will take you through like the ethical ringer. Um, and I think is a really great example of this where you, you know, you're living it. You're living the game. And if you're playing a really good narrative game, um, you're immersed in it. And, you know, decisions, actions, story beats affect you really deeply because, you know, you're in some ways living it. Amazing. Amazing. All right. All right. What about Max? Uh, well, in in my I think I, I agree with a lot of what Taylor said. Um, there's something about the setting of uh, games that just elevates narratives generally. Um, you know, we we talked about the dynamic of video games going to movies and why it's so hard to uh, translate those translate in that direction. And I think it's because the experience at the end of the day is just downgraded. Whereas if you look at examples of, uh, I don't know of many, I can't think of uh, an example of a movie turning into a video game off the top of my head. But if we're going to go with like stories, like books being turned into video games, we can look at anything related to Tom Clancy, the Metro series. Um, there's just a, there's just an element of, uh, putting it into a world space where you have such a dynamic uh, decision over that world space that like, I think elevates that experience a lot, you know? Um, and, you know, especially I think what Taylor made a very interesting point about how sometimes even being forced to be a different character, you know, and it like, it lets you live more into the main character's life than if you're reading a book, you know? And I think it's great. And it's funny, you couldn't think of any good examples of video games turning to movies. I can think of like the two good examples. I can think of a few bad no, ones. No, I, I'm sorry, I meant uh, um, movies turning into video games. Oh, my apologies. Oh, my. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that, that, that part is actually a little bit harder. <laughs> I, I think I, 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 I've rarely ever seen that done. And I think that's just a whole sense of like a franchise trying to translate that into a video game is difficult. I think the best example I've ever seen that attempt was like, and hear me out, SpongeBob. <laughs> and that, that is SpongeBob just a battle for bikini bottom. Yep. That is like the, uh, uh, that is, and it, obviously it takes away from storytelling and I'm just going to, that's my, this is my one tangent for this time. It's the best use of a copyright for a franchise and they use it <laughs> to advertise a movie. And I think it handled great. That's my only best example. Uh, yeah. I, I like the the Walking Dead is you know adaptation of a comic slash television series, um, but what's interesting when you say that I like there's all the kind of like shovelware games that are put out to promote like kids movies and like all of that kind of junk. But when you look at things like the Telltale games, like there was the the Walking Dead. Game of Thrones, fables based on a comic, they all tell completely different stories than the story that was told in the comic or TV show. They're set in the similar world, but they tell a completely new narrative, um, which, which I think is really smart about all of those games. 
um, one of the big things with narrative in games is that, you know, as, as Max was saying, like you're getting this much more expansive experience. You're exploring a world. And with that, pacing is so different. You know, in movies, you get your like three-act structure. And in video games, you get a kind of like weird story arc. You're not really supposed to know when exactly things are supposed to happen, per se. Because a yeah. climax could happen in the middle of the game, could happen right at the last five minutes, or it could not even happen and just kind of like be transitioned to like a sequel, per se. And if you're playing an open world game, it's whatever order you decide <laughs> to do things in. Like and even, e- sorry, uh, even the structure of those Telltale games, they have like multiple three like you know because the traditional story is that sort of like three acts like in a just a single episode you get like a little bit like a miniature like three act section and then those all like combined into one like mega story for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term right and like it it just gives more time to like flesh out like a longer narrative at the pace that you personally want when you're experiencing it right and that's like one of the biggest advantages i think video games have over films for story for storytelling is i think i think of this one um what's the, the what's the hideo kojima game uh death stranding there you go <laughs> huh. aside from that what that game. is i think that game felt like a movie but i think yeah. it, it was a movie that will kind of took a, a long time to kind of progress and get the wheels going but the payoff was astronomical. That's a game where, uh, so I, I haven't finished it. Um, mm-hmm. It's the only game that I play on my PS4 and I like never play my PS4 because it's in a room that we just like don't use. Anyway, <laughs> I will go back to it at some point. <laughs> um, but I, I had that feeling that it felt more like a movie um, with a lot of you know, cutscenes with tons of exposition. But I also feel like that game did a really good job with its world building and leaving clues and hints as to what this world is about in the environment. Um, that's one of the things I absolutely love about video games. Um, like, I love just exploring and finding things in games. Um, You look at the Bioshock franchise, like that's an amazing example of that where so much is revealed to you about the kind of the history of the world, the past of characters that add so much to the narrative just when you're like searching around and taking your time to explore. Um, And I absolutely love that about video games. And I wish Death Stranding had like trusted itself a little bit more to like just <laughs> let that, you know, tell the narrative instead of like 30 minute cutscenes every like 15 minutes. I never got to play Death Stranding. Um, but I think elements of like, you know, the generally like we I think people like when you think about good storytelling, there's the concept of show, not tell, right? Yeah. And I think video games, more so than any other medium of storytelling, have the opportunity of doing the show, not tell, because books are just words. You know, you can have pictures like, you, you, you know, there can be pictures in books, but generally it's very limited. You know, graphic novels are a thing. Um, movies they can show you things um but they still you there's still such a limited amount of time generally in a movie to really do the show not tell uh aspect of storytelling but video games allow you 
to be in a world space, you can just be exploring and you'll find a random note or in Bioshock, you find those voice recordings, you know? And while technically that is telling, it is also showing because it requires like that you to go out and search for those things, you know? It's not those, I feel like that stuff isn't forced on you, but it's for you to develop the world yourself if you choose to like look for things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how you mentioned where a lot of people uh, they rely on both novels or books for and it just for them it's just kind of words it's hard to ping a portrayal and to me that makes me think of well no video games can actually change that because there is a genre of video games that essentially are words and that those are visual novels I'm thinking games like uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney um, Danganronpa uh, Doki Doki Literature Club just simple stuff like that, or even games that are just text heavy, which I'm assuming like uh, Disco Elysium, maybe, I don't know, question mark. Yeah. Disco Elysium is really text heavy. Mm -hmm. So it's games like that, where I feel like uh, dialogue matters. And sometimes you're not even given voice clips. You have to read it yourself. And I like to think of it as like, they treat the player like little kids, like, Oh, they're trick. They think it's a game, but reality, you're just reading. (laughs) (laughs) No. and, And I think it's smart because the whole point of video games and as a entertainment as a medium entirely is it's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy it, not think twice about it. And if obviously if reading isn't your forte, maybe like maybe the visual novel in terms of video game can help you because it's essentially just a book with more pictures, <laughs> but no, that's how I got into it. Cause I think I got into Ace Attorney out of nowhere. I thought, Oh, it's a cool puzzle game. Then I realized, wait a minute, this is a visual novel. I'm just reading <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, I've never really thought a lot about video games that are text-heavy like that as um, possibilities for reluctant readers, people who mm-hmm. think like they, they don't read or like to read. Um, I, and I feel like, again, it's like a, a question of pacing and having control over the world. So like in Phoenix, right, you know, you're making choices, decisions, like solving problems. Mysteries. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly solving problems, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, adds like, a, you know, it's, it's interactive. Like, I, I think a lot of these you could, you know, visual novels, like just consider them interactive storytelling. And there is a little bit of tension, I think, in video game world of like, what's the difference between video games and interactive storytelling mm-hmm. as we're starting to see more sort of like choose your own adventure kind of m- movie type games um and then you know now we're also seeing like the choose your own adventure episodes of tv shows um on netflix so i think that the lines are getting a little blurred um kind of on the edges of the video game industry and you know other forms of visual storytelling i think uh i think i have an interesting perspective on the uh the like people who don't think that they are readers but then can play something like a visual novel or even just be reading the text in a video game and it can sort of trick you and not trick you into reading but i think because i think generally people who think they're not readers just haven't found a story that can capture their interest more so than anything um they they're they relate reading more so to like schoolwork and not to undercounts the importance of stuff like that but it's boring it can be boring for people sometimes you know it can be hard for people to motivate themselves to do those things if their interests aren't captured uh i uh i me personally growing up um 
I had very bad dyslexia and a bad lazy eye. Um, there's, there's, uh, I would go to the optometrist and when I'd be reading, like they have this like goggles on where I could read through them and it's like recording my eyes. I'd be reading and these would be my eyes. My right eye would be staying just fine and the left eye would like veer off somewhere else, uh, like completely. And so I, you know, reading was a struggle for me up to like eighth grade. Um, I was reading like two or three grade levels before uh, below what I should have been at in in for CPS standards. Um, uh, I also had bad hand-eye coordination as well. Um, and video games were actually things that were secret therapy for those things, because um, uh, video games required me to have better hand-eye coordination, you know, so I would not have to be looking down at the controller constantly while pressing buttons, you know, and that led to me even be able to now type like without looking at a keyboard mostly. Um, and reading, you know, I, some of the first games I grew up playing were Pokemon games. You know, those aren't necessarily narrative heavy games. Yeah. However, yeah. there's lots a lot of, of there's lots of text to read and small text as well. Um, and these were, these were things that had a legitimate effect on my life and sort of were secret because I went through hours and hours of eye therapy as a kid and I hated it. It was, it felt torturous to me because I would leave and my eyes would hurt. Like it felt like that because in some, as a little kid, that stuff doesn't make sense to you because it's like exercises to force your eyes to work together. Um, and sometimes I would notice some of that after playing games, but to me, it, it didn't matter as much because I was having fun doing it. Um, and so I, the stuff does have like a very measurable effect. Uh, and I can say that, especially for me, it had an insane effect on my life. And like in relation to that topic of like, you know, it's not that you don't like reading. It's not that, you know, you're necessarily not good at these things. It's you haven't found something to capture you, mm -hmm. capture you. And if you can find that thing to capture your interest, then you can sort of overcome that, Thing that might you might think is Achilles heel, one of your Achilles heels, for lack of a better term. Does, okay. is that does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I, I think I think I think it's great. Um, so now it's just I feel like we're going into a bit of a tangent of a different type of top, topic for video games. Um, to go back on terms of storytelling, um, what would you what would you guys think is your best form of a video game telling its narrative? <sighs> And I think I can start off mine. Um, mine's going to be a, a place no one will ever really expect. Mine is Call of Duty. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, okay. No, 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 no. Explain, no, 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 explain no, 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 no. yourself. Explain yourself, please, please, please. This is one of my most outlandish narratives I've ever tried to explore. So a way, everyone knows Call of Duty. It's the most generic first-person shooter game out there. It comes out every year. It's, 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 it's factory churned. Nothing crazy. But... One day out of the blue, um, this was a company, Treyarch, that created a mode for one of the one of the world one of their World War II games. It was a mode you had to unlock after beating the main story, which every most video games of them have like a campaign, which is fine. Some are great, some are not. Not the point where I'm trying to get at here. What I enjoy is out of you out of nowhere they unlock a secret mode, which is like oh you fight in a zombie apocalypse per se. Where in this case, or in World War II, instead of fighting Nazis, you're fighting like Nazi zombies per se. And you, people are when that first kind of popped up, people were just kind of shocked, like, "Oh, what is this? This wasn't advertised at all here." And then what people started realizing with this little extra game mode is that there were stories. There was a story 
on why this game mode happened. Where the, it, and people didn't fully happen until like the next game afterwards, which is like I guess Call of Duty Black Ops, to where it had a zombie mode feature. And the fun thing about this game mode is that it, it when you start off, you're just like, oh, you're entering the world, fight the zombies, survive to sur- survive or as long as you can. What it doesn't tell you is that there's a secret narrative you have to find and build. And the only way you find this story is by looking through little Easter eggs where you get to find out, oh, what character are you? Oh, what exactly is the origin of the zombie apocalypse? And the only way to find it is through Easter eggs. And they're hidden in the most obscure places in the world. And I'm, think, I'm talking about like finding like a rabbit in like a, a table far off or killing a certain amount of zombies in a certain fashion, or triggering certain um, events to, to create like a secret event happening. This is this started becoming a tradition for most of of the games for Call of Duty from the, the game studio Treyarch. So much so where at first they were just they were they were really like hiding it. Now they're all it, it gained so much popularity from from the public that it's now kind of like the main centric point that oh each game that for quality comes out as the next chapter of the story, this everlasting story, because this story, it doesn't last through one game. Like the current story that I'm working on that I, it's, it's still caught up. It's in the span of like 10 games and you had to, and before they don't tell you what the story is. You have to build it yourself and you have to make like reach like rat, like face like 10 rounds of zombies, 20, 50, etc. And there's still more Easter eggs being found to this day on like the original maps, just to be, just for being told, Hey, uh, where the front developers, hey, there's a story here. It's your job to find it. And honestly, it's like, as a kid, that was the most rewarding thing in the world because I felt like it's, I got to, I was in charge of how the story went down and it was like a puzzle you had to piece together and you wanted to know more of. And obviously, I think, yeah, it's just a really unique take that I've, I've never really seen any other game kind of replicate. <laughs> interesting i didn't know i actually i know the the no i i actually understand what you're saying i think the the that it, there's a surprisingly high level like story in the call of duty zombies modes through and it's like through like secret easter eggs that the community has to unlock i think that method of it is actually i i didn't realize where you were going when you said call of duty but the moment you said call of duty zombies i was actually pretty on board with what you were talking when, when you mentioned that specifically i was reminded i was like yeah there actually is like a surprising like uh surprisingly in, intense and high level story in that in that mode particularly and you more so than you would think and you brought the good point the fact that it brought it, it created a community where the story wasn't just built by one person it was built through like one guy telling it's like hey i think i found this what do you think it means another guy oh i found this it, it connects and so forth and so forth and so i don't know there's just a community uh, just a community just theorizing oh what this story is and it's gotten to really convoluted to a point where there's a little six-year-old girl controlling zombies in the moon it's really wild <laughs> i love it so much it's uh, super wild i love it <laughs> but no, uh, that that that's my choice if I would have to pick like the most unique form of storytelling. But have you guys thought about anything yet? <laughs> I can definitely think of a lot of examples of I think really great storytelling. Um a lot of them I've talked about on past episodes of the podcast, but I think a game that I haven't really talked about is Firewatch. Um it came out a few years ago, I think like 2016. Um 
absolutely brilliant game. Often gets called a walking simulator. I hate that term for games. I think just let's not use it. But you may have heard of it. All you do <laughs> is really walk simulator. Though. You do when you interact with the world. But I think more importantly, you're choosing your dialogue in the game. So the, the general premise of the game is you're playing as a man. Um, there's, a, there's a short... Uh, introduction to the game um, that's without visuals that outlines the history of your relationship with your wife um, and what your marriage has been like and it's revealed that she has um, early onset dementia and she's in a care home and you have decided to go take this job um, at a national forest uh, you know, for the summer, be being on fire watch, you know, taking care of things and like making sure there are no shenanigans happening uh, in the national forest. Um, it's, it's a really beautiful game. And your dialogue choices throughout really define what your relationship has been like with your wife. So you're given a lot of options in your dialogue and you're talking the whole time to a woman at the, the ranger station. So your dial dialogue choices reveal what your relationship has been like with your wife, how you feel about it, and also how you feel about the woman that you're talking to. So you're really like developing this relationship um, with this other woman and then also reflecting on your relationship with your wife as you're going through and solving a kind of mystery out in the forest by yourself. Um, and that mystery is kind of inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. Like for me, what the, the real narrative thread is like, you know, how is this man grappling with the fact that his wife is dying and that she's basically already gone because she has dementia? And how do you move on from that? And it does that brilliantly. Um, you can decide if, you know, you are going to be kind of cold to the woman on the radio, um, if you're going to be friendly, if you're going to kind of have an emotional affair with her. Like, it's, I think it does a really great job of giving you the choices to really develop who this person is. There's some brilliant voice acting. It's a beautiful, beautiful world that you're walking through and exploring. And I think it's a perfect example of the show don't tell it is not exposition heavy at all it's all just about kind of these subtle dialogue choices really excellent writing i love that game interesting and plus isn't that game also kind of based on a true story of like or i guess a true event or like a, a wild, like a forest fire i mean yeah it's inspired by mm -hmm. some different forest fires yeah definitely a great, in, definitely in a great choice yeah yeah. How about you, Max? Sorry, can you hear me? My bad. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. good. Yeah, this is uh, this is really hard for me. Um, I was, I think there are like sort of, uh, I think three different stories that have uh, three different games and their stories that I've really liked, and I'll keep, I'll keep it brief for all of them to not take up too much time. But um, I'd say the the first one in order of the in order of the of when I've played them in my life. The first one was uh, Fallout 2. Um, uh, I think it just sort of, it, it gives you like a little, just a little bit, you're in a vault. Um, it's post-apocalyptic America. Uh, you're, 
um, and the, their water purification system is dying, and you've been chosen to be the one who leaves the vault to go into the post-apocalyptic, post-nuclear apocalyptic America, uh, and f- and go to another vault to find a water chip uh, to so that your vault can keep living. Um, and it, you just get thrusted out into this world of like doom and hell, but also pockets of hope. Like, cause there you'll find civilization here, civilization there. That's like sort of s- slowly starting to rebuild, uh, you know, in out in the wasteland. Um, and one of the, I think, uh, best parts about its storytelling is that there are so many different ways you can go about it. You could, head in east, west, depending on the direction that you start going, uh, you'll find, you know, this city called Shady Sands, um, which is a, 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 like a small village out in the middle of the desert. Um, and, you know, there's all these, there's so, every person, almost every person in the village has like at least some dialogue to talk to them about. Um, there's, you know, there, there's Junktown. Um, there, there's like, just so many different locations in this giant world, just so many different, um, so many different lines of dialogue, so much story to involve yourself in that you can see, you cannot see depending on how you choose to play the game. You know, um, there's just a lot of story to be told in such a, you know, in such a, you know, in a limited game, it came out in what, like 1997, I think. And it's a it's a pretty old game. And honestly, if you were to try to play it nowadays, uh, it's very dated. Um, but I think it it's able to tell such an amazing story uh, in ways that, like, you know, can be so many different can be so different each experience depending on how you go about the game because there's so many choices, so many different ways you can go about traveling the world. Um, and uh, I think that that really in uh, got me that that was the game that got me into my favorite genre which was po- post-apocalyptic uh any story that's uh, a nuclear post-apocalypse for me is just like i love purely because of me playing that game when i was younger um i'd say uh, as far as like uh like show not tell i think one of my favorite games is dark souls it like gives you nothing it just says you know, there are three bells, ring the three bells, one's up, one's down, you know, uh, and one's east, I think. it Like, it just says, ring three bells, one's up, one's down, one's east, and then it leaves you from there. And then the story sort of comes together, like, just from how you explore the world, like, you may find a person, they'll have a few lines of dialogue. It's so, it gives you nothing, but, like, yeah, it gives you so much through the way it builds the world. Um, and, uh, that I think is really, it's, it's nice because it, it'll, it, it really is show, it really does embody, in my opinion, show, not tell, because it's mostly dependent on you just like how you see the world, how you explore and see the world. Um, and as far as, uh, the third game, um, I, I don't know if either of you have played the story. If any, Taylor, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor's played it. It's a it's a small game on Steam called Her Story. I haven't played it yet. But oh, it's on my like top okay. like must so play list. Without going through too much spoilers, basically, uh, you are given access to a computer that has uh, a collection of videos and I think maybe even text logs 
uh, of this woman who is uh, being investigated by the police uh, because her husband has gone missing. Um, and you get it. It's very asynchronous in its storytelling because, um, you know, you'll find one video that's like near the end. Mm-hmm. of near the end mm-hmm. of the investigation and then you get a video that's in the middle and the, as you go about the game solving puzzles here and there it's it, you get it in this like very asynchronous way that makes the story like hard to follow yet super engaging you know really? like you it, when i first started it i was like it was confusing and then you're like oh stuff starts to click together as you get the different videos and you start to piece things together in a way that like it makes it more satisfying i don't know instead of giving you like everything in order there's something about that asynchronous storytelling that i think can be very exciting uh once you finally are able to piece the clues together yourself you know um and i to prevent any spoilers i'll i'll I'll, i will leave (laughs) it at that um it's i think it's uh definitely well worth the play taylor whenever you get the chance to play it it's definitely. Um, it's definitely it's definitely one of my favorite narratives of all time in in any game and fair enough it's purely about the narrative so of course you would hope that it has like it would have a good narrative and it really does um so those i think are three like sort of three different types of games that tell narrative in three different ways that i think really encapsulate how video games can vary in their narrative and how even different styles can still all be amazing in their own in their own ways, right? Interesting, interesting. Th- thank you on that part. So I guess this, uh, I like to go into our next topic for storytelling in video games. Uh, I like to start off with a little old saying that I have. You know, a video game is good when the video game pl- when when you don't play the video game, but the video game plays you. <laughs> and what I mean by that is. I can guess I can explain a scenario of say you just completed a game and then you're just kind of like speechless per se, or you feel very moved by it. And I can name a few games off the top of my head that kind of make me feel like that. That have made me feel that way in some manner and how storytelling was managed. And I, I feel like that'd be a good way to go on our next topic. I like I'll start. Um, what kind of made me go that way, I think is an obvious good form of storytelling is undertale. Because I think I went in, uh, going through Undertale in a certain way of just it's just a casual RPG, nothing really interesting surrounding it. But as of course, since Undertale is like the worst kept secret, is that the more if you treat it like a traditional RPG and fighting monsters and progressing through leveling up, turns out that's a bad thing. And I think it goes to a point where it has three separate endings. One bad one neutral and then one like good ending and i think for me that felt it wasn't until i think i reached uh i I got a neutral ending at first and i i I felt really confused and awestruck that it made me want to play again which kind of what the game encourages you to and then i decided to be actually good this time and i think it's one of the few uh, it gave it, it it gives you an entirely different ending and I think the way it handles its set ending, if you say if you are good per se, it kind of left me crying a little bit in terms of how the story ended because I think it was just nothing but endorphins kind of just going through me. And all you really feel like, I'm, I'm sad that it's over, but I'm glad I felt this experience per se. And I think 
if a game has a very good narrative, it it can do that per se. Like another example, I got something up my head. Not not trying to double up is um, Spider Man for the PS4. I think that gave me a lot of the most movie centric vibe, to where it's like one of the best Spider Man game iterations for Spider Man out there. Its story is very uh, compelling and it draws you in so much. Where the the biggest quote that that game has is it makes you feel like Spider Man. And there's a lot of tearjerker moments. There's a lot of great moments. It feels like a super long movie, and it just makes you wanting more. And I think that is just. I, I think that is like the real power of what storytelling can do. I think it is the best Spider-Man narrative I've ever experienced. The first Spider-Man, Spider-Man for the PS4, easily. I completely agree. It is it better than any of the movies, better than any of the comics I've read. I'm not a comics expert, but I do dabble in them. Um, I think it is. I agree with you there. It is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyone like to join, jump in on that? Yeah. Um, the game that I think had the most emotional impact on me was To the Moon. I cried buckets at the end of that game. Um, it's, you know, the the same developer has made some sequels kind of in the same style, but they just haven't affected me the same way. And I think some of that is really uh, the, the way the narrative unfolds into the moon. Um, so To the Moon was made with RPG Maker. So it looks like, you know, a retro JRPG, um, but it's not an RPG, it's an adventure game. And you play as um, a couple scientists who work for a company uh, that goes to people on their deathbeds and changes their memories. So you can have this deathbed wish of, I, you know, wish I had done this in my life. And then you, their memories are changed, so they die happy, believing that they achieved everything that they wanted to achieve. Um, that's so. And, that's like that's so dark. A little right? bit. Really dark. And so, uh, as the scientist, you go to the home of um, of a man who wants to have his memory changed, so he can believe that he has gone to the moon or will be an astronaut and can go to the moon. And as the the method of doing this is you go into different points in his memories to change things in his life. So he does eventually meet that goal. And you start to learn about his relationship with his wife. And I it ah uh, I think it's a really great example of storytelling of of withholding information until the very end. So you think you understand what's happening. And then right at the end, you actually understand what's happening. And it is just, it is a gut punch. It is amazing. That game is so good. I cried like uncontrollable buckets at the end of that game. Um, Highly, highly recommended. Um, A game that had a really different emotional impact on me um, and I don't know that I've ever had this feeling in a game before. It's the beginner's guide. I don't know if either of you have heard of this. So it is a game that was made by Davey Redden, I think is how you say his name. Um, he was one of the developers, creators of the Stanley Parable. And so he did this after the Stanley Parable. And it's presented as he's sharing some unfinished pieces of games that are made by a friend of his. Well, not really a friend, but like a person that he knows 
who makes games and they're all these kind of like weird abstract worlds and it's kind of this this commentary on the process of making games um so on the surface it's this one thing at the beginning and then it morphs over time into something else and it left me very deeply unsettled <laughs> um in a way where like i I think in, in video games, you don't get a lot of kind of authorial voice. Um, you're not necessarily like feeling the creator in the work, right? Because so many different people work on video games. You know, it's not like an author where you can like kind of make direct, like direct linkages to like the author of a book and their personality and their experiences. You know, you find that a little less in video games. And I think in this, like you really like deeply, deeply feel... I don't know, feel, but feel the sort of like tension and confusion that must be going on in Davy Redden's life. Um, it's it's really interesting. Um, and it's it's pretty short. It's an experience. You think it's going to be the Stanley parable, and it's not that. And you can get this all on PC, correct? Like, just yes. trying to cover platforms? Yeah, okay. on PC. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. What about. What about you, Max? Um, as far as uh, a, a game that really affected me emotionally based on its story, um, I tend to I tend to be very like I, I, I'm not sure how to explain it, like emotionally separated from these stories. like I, uh, I, I I tend not to I, things don't uh, gen, tend, generally uh my emotions are not uh triggered as highly when while I'm playing uh certain games um games that like I mentioned earlier her story that was definitely a a game that affected me emotionally probably because it's one of the most narrative driven games I've I've played that's like pure narrative um it like doesn't even feel like a game it feels like you're watching a story unfold like um while there is some gameplay elements to it um i'd say uh i remember when i was one of the first games i ever bought on my own uh was dead space and that was a game that actually uh made it made me definitely very emotional because i felt uh i don't know especially in the first one less so in the second and the third um, but the first one, I really did feel connected to uh, the main character in the search for his wife. Um, and just the general world building of the game as well ma- makes you really connected into the game and make you feel like uh, the, the main character. Um, but I'm not, I'm not someone who generally tends to get extremely emotionally affected. Um, un- unless I... Unless I uh, allow myself to get invested, and I generally don't do that. It's very understandable because I think I, I think very few people, when they play video games, kind of get that type of feeling per se. And I think, and of course, I think a great game when it when it does it on accident, when you least expect it, is a very very good moment. But it's very hard to put that feeling on purpose when playing a video game. It's like it has to catch you by surprise sometimes, and I, and that's a that's the beauty of it all. But all right, uh, I think we're kind of cutting close to time. I think 
<laughs> this really flew by really quickly than I thought. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right. Before we even say any uh, closing remarks, I mentioned earlier that this was going to be a very special episode towards the Shite Lip Fest. I was wondering, Taylor, if you can provide any more information on that in case if people are either watching before or after that said event. Yeah, so Shiteen Lit Fest is an awesome event, stands for Chicago Teen Literary Festival, and it's a festival uh, made by teens for teens. Um, so you do have to be uh, high school age to attend. Uh, this year, it's all virtual because, you know, COVID. Uh, it's going to be happening November 6th and 7th. Uh, 2020. If you are listening to this after that, keep an eye out for the 2021 Shiteen Lit Fest dates. Um, but there are going to be all different kinds of panels, meetups, performances, and open mic um, uh, on the 6th and the 7th. And it covers all things narrative, literature, storytelling, so journalism, prose, poetry, music, theater, all that stuff, and video games. So uh, Hugo and I will be hosting a meetup, uh, which basically means uh, you can come to it, talk with people who are interested in games just like you, and Hugo and I will help moderate that conversation. Um, so if you're interested, in that uh, the event, so it, you can find out more at shiteenlitfest.org. And the particular meetup that Hugo and I are doing is called The Art of Storytelling, A Gamer's Tale. And it's going to be from 1.30 to 2.30 on Saturday, November 7th. Uh, make sure to go register on the Shiteen Lit Fest website and you'll get all of the info you need to log into Zoom and get into the you know right room for the right sessions. And I'm sure we'll provide as much info on it in the description box below. Yeah. But yeah, thank you. But yeah, th thank you, Taylor. And I, again, for everyone listening, it's, it'll be a great thing. We'll talk more about what we talked about today in, much, in a much deeper manner. Be part of the conversation. I think it's a great time. Yeah. All right. So I just want to thank you again, Max, for showing up again. This has been yeah. a really great time. I think. Thanks for having me again. Flies. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, without further ado, uh, this has been. My name is Hugo. This has been the Library of Games Login Audio Op Podcast, and we are out. Bye. Bye.